Hello and welcome to our global S&OP community weekly podcast Brought to you by Ahmed Khalid and Ahmed Al-Hamamsi from Middle East Our global S&OP community podcast mission is to build a global community from supply chain, marketing, trade marketing, sales and finance all over the world Where everyone's voice could be heard and listened Every week we host a new episode with great thought leader in the S&OP industry. We believe that one word, one story, or one conversation could open up the light in the screen of your consciousness and you'll never be the same again. We discuss hot and trending topics with our subject matter experts by asking the right questions that uncover their valuable experience in our show. You can visit our website ahmedkhaled.com .co Stay tuned every week with our global S&OP community podcast. Our great guest today, he is Michael Nim. Michael climbed the corporate ladder till he reached to a director of enterprise with a company of sales of $4 billion annually. Then he decided to leave the corporate life and begins his entrepreneurial career. He starts his own franchise agency and partnered with uh, a global trends almost two years ago. He's an amazing entrepreneur, and I guarantee you, he's he's very fabulous broadcaster. I want you to go and check his broadcasting on LinkedIn and his amazing content uh, uh, all over uh, the, the, the platform. He has a great, very great co- content to be followed. I'm asking you also to go and check it. He worked with different types of companies and industries, and his main focus always on helping consumer brands to drive operational transportational cost, eliminate manual process and mitigate risks and increase profitability. He is the CEO and the founder of Midwest Consulting Company. May I ask you to just welcome with me, Michael, please. Michael, what's up, dude? <laughs> Great to have you today. Great to be here. I appreciate it, man. It will be an amazing discussion. That I think that this topic today it's touching a real base inside many organizations, which is uh, many people are struggling on a daily basis. That's why I believe that we will have drive a lot of values all together and we reveal a lot of questions that touch a base on hand today. Welcome to the show again. Yeah. Thank you for having me, man. Great to see you. So, the first question that Let's let's warm up and I'm asking also our audience today just to engage with us. If you have anything or any question in your mind, please engage with us and let us know your opinion or any question in your mind. So I don't like to say that how to smash the silos or how to crash the silos because silos will be there. But my philosophy and I hear this from one of my friends say that oh, each function they have silos and they build the silos more and more and more. 
the game is how to to reconnect not to smash the silos how to reconnect these silos together to serve the business imperatives what do you think about this philosophy i mean you just said it i mean there's going to be always silos right but it starts getting listen i'm not here to you know within these large in these larger organizations listen i can't re really reinvent the wheel on that right but i can you know but what I can do is, you know, that's where my focus went into, you know, these emerging growth stage brands that don't have, shouldn't have silos, right? And they do, right? So explaining to them, you know, from a supply chain standpoint, how every department impacts your company from a supply chain standpoint, whether you believe it or not, and having executive leadership involved in that and explaining the impacts that uh, each department has on the company as well as themselves, right? And I think that that's just lost, right? Everybody, you know, again, it's time and time again, you know, in, in supply chain, it's like no executive really wants to be involved. Oh, I don't handle shipping when really it's like, well, <laughs> it's not shipping. It's just so many different, there's so many different things that go into your supply chain you should be involved in. Quite frankly, you people want to follow a leader, right? They want to have a voice too. They want to have an opinion. And I think a lot of people just want yes, man. And then think about that companies start scaling, scaling, and then they get bigger and change. Change is very hard once you get to you say yeah. you're from $5 million in revenue in a company, and then you get to that $50 million. It's it's a lot harder. I've been I've changed companies like that. And it's a lot harder to change that $50 million company versus that $5 million company. So my goal is to just be that voice and explain like, hey, listen, everybody needs to be at the table. Everybody needs to know that, hey, these are the we got to build a strategy around the good of the entire company, but then also inside each department, we got to build strategies and everybody has to be working together. Yeah. What are the challenges that you faced? You said that you have just moved from 5 million company into 50 million company. What are the main challenges that you can you you see that because when you go goes up just in 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 the ladder itself that that change or change anything it will be harder. How how I'm just asking you even for for the leaders that they are listening to us right now. How how can they change something like that? Even it's the, regardless the scale of the company. I know it's becoming harder, but how they can uh, they will be able to to do real change in this point take a step back. I mean, you have to, I mean, so real quick though. So when you ask me, are, are we sticking with the $50 million company or just in general? $50 million. I'm saying that so because there is a big difference between the five million and 50. Yeah. So I, I just actually had a meeting with, uh, it was close to $50 million in revenue. And I've been re reaching out to the CEO of this company for two years now, and it was never wanting to sit down. And I said, you have, I've talked to multiple people in your company that touch the supply chain from accounting from it you have no you know fr from sales you need to get i need you involved because you are the leader you're the ceo of the company we need to have mm -hmm. a meeting of the minds and we need to take a step back and really look at what is our main and like goals right first and foremost what your customers wants and needs and then also yours and then build a strategy around that and realize that each department that i just mentioned to you is going mm -hmm. to play a crucial role in this because it, it it is financially impacting this company I'm talking about. So it's just getting that. And, and I'm not saying like, oh, the CEO, like a lot of people are like, oh, well, CEO doesn't handle supply chain. I know that. But you have to have a leader involved to spearhead whatever type of processes you're going to put in place and and make them the 
I guess essentially, yeah, they're they're going to be the leader of it, right? You have to have everybody in the room. You have to have a meeting of the minds and you have to realize, hey, the CEO, CFO, any type of executive that's leading the change has to be mm-hmm. in there and they have to be involved. They just do. And that's what I would say is do that sooner rather than later, because this is it's good. I mean, for this sense, uh, for this company, yeah, we could do this, but it's a lot. Trust me, it's a lot harder to do yeah. when it's 50. It, it just is. Yeah, I can understand because if you're talking about a company with five million, which is moving one time, I don't want to say one time, but along the way to 50 millions, they started as entrepreneurial mind. So you, you, you're running it. And I know this kind of entrepreneurial mind, especially when you're running your supply chain, I, I like what, what you said when you touch point on that. It's, it's longer and harder, but once you settle down all the process, it becomes easier. I'll, I'll jump into the first question. We have first question now. So again, guys, please, because of the time of uh, the, 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 our episode, if I'm asking you, uh, I'll I'll jump into the questions. So any question, I will jump into it, just sake of uh, the sake of time. So we have our friend, uh, Fekri, she's asking, what are the challenges that you face or see changing 5 million or 50 million? I mean, I mean, a lot. I mean, that could be all situational. <laughs> but I mean, from a supply chain standpoint, I mean, look at it. You, you can get away with manual processes at $5 million. Let's say what 50, it's probably 50,000, maybe a hundred thousand dollars line item when it comes into like transportation, that's, that's not that difficult to, you know, run it like an auction, right? I don't suggest it, but you see a lot of manual processes. You don't really know your cost to serve. You're just, your goal is to sell, 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 sell. Exactly. Well, that you can't do that in a 50 million. I mean, you just can't, right? You, you if you don't know your margins, that's all that's where a lot of people start failing and they don't even make it to that 50 50 million mark because again, they don't have any processes put in place that uh revolve around like their customers wants and needs, right? So that's the that's the biggest issue is having a process and having a scalable process, right? So that's why it's like good in the front end. Hey, you only do $100,000 now, but this is why you you shouldn't be going out and you know treating your supply chain like an auction. Let's put some processes in place that's going to scale, so that you know again it's a lot easier. Yeah, I'm not saying we're going to stick to the same processes to get to that mm-hmm. 50 million, but they're going to generally be around the same same. Uh, they're going to have the same concept, and we're going to be able to pivot a lot faster when there's processes put in place, right? So just putting scalable processes in place is the key. I can understand also this challenge especially for a 5 million company. And if you are talking about some softwares or some ERP that you're trying to use it, it will hit directly your margin because 5 million, and I'm talking about ERP, whatever the name of the the, the company, I don't want to name anything just to not uh, yeah. people that they think that we are promoting, but it will hit d- directly your margin because relatively if my revenue, it's 5 million and I'm just investing in ERP which will hit my margin it will be not non-affordable the game is i like what you said it's scalability at which time i need to invest in my software and process that will take me to the next level i know that my business right now is expanding and scalable but when it was the best time and the optimal time that i can spend then it will take me to the next level i explore more and i, I build my relationship more with my uh, internal even externally with my partnership in the supply chain with the customers suppliers and even inside the organization this is this you just is the hit point. it right there though uh a, you know when is the right time to invest in say a software right erp right so that's i'm really familiar with erp but 
that's 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 a prime example like i see it's education right you only know what you know and and i don't want to go on a, stop me if i go on a rant here but a lot of companies you know on my end right if i look out at my end there's always like a new technology come like a new uh, uh, erp or there's like a new uh, tms coming out and mm -hmm. you have no idea how many times i go into companies and they have they have an ERP, they have a TMS, they're spending tons of money, but they don't even use them. They're not even connected. They're not talking to each other. So it's like, <laughs> listen, I'm a firm believer. I'm a firm believer. I, I push technology. My company uh, has technology, but technology for the sake of just having technology doesn't do anything and it's going to yeah. kill your, it, it's going to kill your bottom line. Listen, figure out, have some processes in place first, because I know companies that don't have that have zero technology right now, mm. no ERP, no TMS, but have have processes in place. Yeah, that literally blow out any company with technology and they're saving a ton of money just because they didn't have to invest at that time. Right. What is what is crucial for your company at that point? And I think that 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 comes back to us right on my side. We have to be mm -hmm. the person that educates our customers saying, hey, we're not going to just give you a technology platform because it's going to benefit us. I'd rather lose the sale than be than sell something to someone that's only going to add to their challenges. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's the values to the customer. Yeah, there are sometimes uh, values that you need to generate on the to the organization. But think always that directly to the customer, relate everything, how you can add values to the customer. That's why uh, these companies that they're very sustainable and moving and expanding because they think firstly about their customers. Yeah, you have to. How do yeah. you get sales, For sure. man? I mean, <laughs> For sure. I mean, if it's not about the customer, <laughs> you got nothing. Exactly. I'll move to the next uh, question. I hope that we answered you, Aya. So we'll move into our LinkedIn user, the technical challenge that we have always. But anyway, <laughs> I'll ask this. How, how as a leader to deal with the organization restructure? As we know, with the current economical situation, a lot of organizations uh, escape to restructure instead of fixing the core of the problem. It's a very nice question. Yeah, I'll let you answer that one first. I'm trying to think that's a, okay. that's a good question. So uh, if, if you're talking about a restructure, you have to ask yourself, uh, I'm not sure who is there, but I will check after <laughs> who is there about LinkedIn user. <laughs> but if you're talking about restructure, I believe that you have firstly to understand why do you need the, the restructure? Because of what? Because it's not just the restructure for, re for restructure. Any restructure will happen because some gaps inside the organization, you need to add value for something, right? Like for instance, uh, I, have a, I need to have a restructure from uh, a focus to focus on specific customer. I'm saying just from the downstream side, uh, I need to restructure my uh, supply chain to focus on a specific customer. So I will take my people and I will serve them instead of just focusing on a channel level. I will let them focus on, uh, uh, I would say, uh, top customers A or B, C. So these kind of things, you have to understand why do we need the, the restructure itself? And what is always I'm asking, I'm saying this, what is the cost of this restructure versus the benefits? Sometimes there are many tangible things that you can uh, identify. And sometimes there are many intangible things that you cannot identify, but you have to identify both tangible and intangible. And based on that, you can move forward because I see many organizations, they move into restructure just for restructure. When you come and ask them, why do you have this restructure? They don't have any, anything and they don't identify. They don't even do the basic uh, question that they ask themselves. This restructure will take us 
from X to Y identify what will be the hit or the, the positive hit that they will have maybe in top line sales, maybe even enhancing, developing their organization and the, their values inside the organization. So I hope that I answered you, LinkedIn user. I'm not sure who is this, but uh, I'll come back yeah. to you. <laughs> Yeah. I got, yeah, I mean, because great question, but it's very situational, right? I mean, this could go anyway, but like you just said, is it's like, what are you trying to restructure? What do you need? Like what, look at your own personal life, right? Like if a lot of people I tend to like have, they want to re new year, new me, right? That, that yeah. motto. And it's like, what? No, I don't believe in that. I believe in like, I can't change everything, right? Say you got bad habits. You can't change everything at once, yeah. right? You have to take it in pieces. What is the most impactful thing in, I'll just use my life. What is, what is hurting me? What is holding me back in my life right now that I need to change? That's any, even at a company, what do you, what's the most important thing? And then focus on focusing in on that. And then that's it, right? Yeah. You don't need to, you don't need to make a million changes at once, right? Focus on the most, you know, one, two, three important things that are inside your company that are whatever it may be that are, in, you know, financially impacting your company and then making those changes. And then once those changes become like natural behavior, like you switched it, yeah. then it becomes, okay, cool. Now let's look at this thing again. But a lot of people switch everything and then all of a sudden it's like the diet right the crash diet it's like they oh, i'm gonna get i'm gonna get healthy i'm gonna work out and then they don't see results in a week a two weeks a month and then they <laughs> oh well that's not the problem something else is the problem yeah. right it's like so they're never getting any really results or just changing to change for no reason yeah and just to add something on that point maybe maybe the, the, it's a tricky question uh, and yeah maybe uh, i will add something here if i'm i understand that restructure here maybe is laying off people or just moving people out of the organization and at this moment I, i'm always saying this i think it's the easiest way the easiest way that you can take uh, inside the organization is if you want to have uh, savings in your bottom line easily you can focus on your indirects or overheads so i will lay off people and i will take i will say just uh, uh, yeah, I need to have a restructure. I need to optimize people because I think that now our company is degrowing. Whatever it's in your situation, this is the easiest way, and it's uh, it shows the uh, the kind of leadership or the quality of leadership that you have. Instead of focusing, if I have a target of my bottom line, I need to have uh, improve my bottom line percentage. Whether whether it's a margin, whether it's bottom line, I'm saying that focus on all the potential things that you can unlock from your top line sales. And uh, this is something like, I, I would say from the, the other side, which is how you can uh, improve your weighted distribution or you can improve your numerical distribution. How can you reach and, and scale your business to many customers? How can you expand all of this? Because this directly will affect your top line sales instead of just getting this kind of savings from your uh, overheads, you can have this incremental by unlocking the potential uh, opportunities in, in, in the downstream. Th this is this is the hardest way and this is shows how the, the quality of leadership they're working. Easily, I can say one day, bottom line, go overheads just and have my savings, but it's hard to focus and go into details to get to catch this kind of uh, right saving, I, I would say healthy savings. That's so good. That's actually spot on. So I see it both ways, right? I think that like, so turn, like, let's say like a lot of people got laid off, right? This pandemic has, and that's a, that, that's not good. Right. But it, 
sometimes it, it it's justifiable and sometimes it's not but i think it, it goes back to the leader right Listen, we're all we're not perfect, right? And there's people, yeah. there's leaders out there that might have brought, you know, tried to scale too much, too fast, and they brought people on that they didn't even need to bring on in the first place. It's a bummer, but they have to own that, own your mistakes. But then I see companies that are just constantly, it's like their turnover rate is like, <laughs> oh, it's just like it's so high, and it's like that's to me uh, a poor leader, right? It's like, listen, yeah. you're you're not cutting costs. You're you're actually spending more money if you think about it. If you're turning over people, bringing more people back on, cutting them. I mean, I, <laughs> I won't even mention the company, but like, and yeah. it's affecting it's like, directly. No, yeah, it's affecting own your the mistakes. The company, a hundred percent. It's like, listen, maybe clearly there's an issue, right? You keep on turning people over. Maybe you don't even need people right now. So listen own your mistakes right say okay listen we're gonna take we're, we're, before i hire any more people on and 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 bring them on and then cut them right because that's affecting people's lives too i you know i don't want to get emotional on that but that is affecting people's lives it's time to take a uh you know a ten thousand foot look at this and really realize what i what i need in this company okay cool i realized it wasn't i don't need more people i need to you know put a couple different processes in place to that's going to scale me and then maybe i bring on more people right because a lot of times it's not even the people that are like not performing at their job it's it, it at some point you got to point the finger at yourself and that's the leader that says hey listen it's not that person that that that's not good at their job it's me yeah yeah again because a company it's people and if yeah people they can either take the, the company the, the name of the, the brand of the company to the next level or they can devastate it totally and it, because because <laughs> i'll give you an example many many of my friends they they have some challenges inside their organization however the name com name of the company it's very well the reputation of the company is amazing and they they reach to a point that they they need to have a revenge for their between them and their company why the company is amazing and when you think just for a moment why did they have they, they want to have this because of people because of their leaders so leaders they are the name of the company company it's leaders so it, we are dealing always with with people who are not dealing with a company so i could always <laughs> you're giving me chills because like there's there's i can there's places i've worked that as a whole the, the culture wasn't that great right but I had certain leaders that I still talk to today, mentors of mine that made my career, right? So it's like, like you just said it right there. The company name, and that's even with customers, no one really cares about, yes, the company's good and and, and all that's great, but it, it's the people inside there, right? What exactly. from sales, what is that salesperson bringing to the table to that customer, to your customer, mm -hmm. that other salespeople in your company isn't doing, <laughs> your company's not doing it, right? What is that leader? What are those good leaders? So it's like, I not to go on a rant again, but like to go into like the, it's the leaders in the company, like take a step back. You you look at turnover rate, take a step back and look at your leaders. What leaders are scaling people's careers is what I would say. Like, yes, let's look at numbers, but a lot of people just look at numbers and it's like, okay, that one leader, he could, he could have a team, but his turnover rate is like 90%, right? But he's, <laughs> his numbers are high. That is, but then you got that other leader that is turnover rates, you know, 20%, maybe a little lower in revenue, but he's scaling people's careers. How many leaders did he bring make more inside the company? Because guess what? Numbers are not the only thing that scale a company. One person doesn't scale a company. More leaders, more more leaders in a company scale a company. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll jump into our uh, friend three. She is asking CEO has a part because if sales are down, they want to know why and where is the bottleneck? Is it raw materials? Is it pricing? Is it training for sales? Definitely three. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why yeah, it, it is. It is a part from from the organization itself. Definitely training. Yeah, <laughs> I see a lot, but no, but yeah, I see a lot, but like. Uh, it's everything, right? But I think, you know, from my own personal, uh, it, I don't go when I when I'm meeting with companies, I'm not necessarily I, I'm not, trust me, I, it is the training. I think a lot of people lack that. Um, but that's not, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, just because that's not that's not my thing. Um, but I think it, it starts from. So from a supply chain standpoint, you know, sales are down. Well, okay, do you have any type of, you know, visibility into your key cost drivers that are specifically you know going to target certain things why are sales down right customer profitability all that stuff like why mm -hmm. are you missing sales so a lot of times it's not knowing your cost to serve right it's like why so the process is right now okay cool we're just going to continue to reach out to brokers uh carriers and get the cheapest rate right that's mm -hmm. going to drive up margin well not necessarily you're diluting your buying power you're treating it like an auction take a step back. Do you know your cost to serve by customer, by location, by skew? Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, we're just guessing at that. Well, boom, right there. I can guarantee you just little stuff like that can increase your bottom line. But knowing yeah. that to structure your pricing better is is key because especially if you're a commodity, I do a lot of I work with a lot of like, uh, you know, merging growth stage CPG companies and you know how many there's tons of protein bars out there trying to get into big box retailer, right? <laughs> how do you it, and those guys, I, I hate to say it, but it's like they care about money. They, you know, they they have tons of like Walmart, right? Walmart has tons of uh, protein bars coming in there. How do you mm. how are you different? Well, it's going to be through your supply chain, right? Mm. And that can not knowing how to properly allocate transportation cost into your pricing model is a huge financial impact, right? It could break a company. It could you could lose. It, I've seen it literally destroy a company that could have just tweaked I know. the pricing yeah. <laughs> and know it it's like but yeah. no one again it goes back to that's the ceo like the ceo needs to realize that and i'm not saying every ceo is supposed to be the smartest person out there but knowing if someone came to the table and said hey listen do you know your uh cost to serve and you know they said no well okay cool acknowledge that and now it's time to switch it because that's where it really i mean I, I stuck with the pricing part, but that's the huge that's a huge issue why sales and margins are down. Yeah, and especially if you're talking about transportation, you open something here also. I see as struggle when it comes even to the distributors or distribution side, when you're serving a multiple ship two points, when you have direct stores delivery, and people they ignore all of this because when it comes to yeah you need to have the cost that, that to serve as you said and the the orders that you you will have and the service level that you will have how much yeah. you will you will have in that point and even how much you will be able to serve this needs to be to be optimized and uh, i like what you said because one time they will have a hit in their transportation cost because the number of fleets that you have it on a daily basis uh, whether regardless their the size of the, the business or the size of the trucks or the size of the fleet but this is money how you will be able to optimize this this is the right questions that needs to be asked even not from the ceo but even from the organization itself where is where is the, what, are, what are the elements of our cost inside it but well, here's the thing is that comes back it goes back to like this is why you need the CEO, right? If we talk about this isn't even sales training, but tr like, again, from a silo standpoint, 
I talked to many, you know, believe it or not, there's a, there's, there's, you get to a point where there's a lot of sophisticated supply chain managers that I talk to that realize that, right? But even they, Mike, man, we want to switch this, but the, you know, our CFO says we got to drive costs down and, you know, <laughs> knowing your cost to serve can definitely drive cost out and increase. It's a scalable model, but it's not a quick model like that, right? They, they need to go out to RFP everything. They don't even have mm -hmm. the volume, but it's like they want to make the change, but it also, it has to come from the VP of supply chain, uh, a close mentor of mine once said, go where the money's at, Mike. And she's very, you know, she's VP of supply chain at a $500 million company. And even yeah. she said, go where the money's at. And they need to be involved to realize that, right? Like you don't yeah. hire so supply chain managers, even the most sophisticated supply chain managers weren't hired to know, you know, be the, in, know the ins and outs of your pricing model, right? The CFO, <laughs> the CFO or the C, if you ha have a CFO or the CEO is, needs to be involved in that because mm -hmm. that's their job. And yeah. they need to be involved and they need the supply chain guys or girls to be in there to know from, you know, an operational level, how they can, you know, make things work. Yeah. Okay. We'll have the second question from our friend Karim Al-Komi is asking, do success behaviors and attitude of people change from 5 million to 50 million or is it the Ego. same <laughs> at all scales? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I could. Prime example, I, I mean, I have, we've all been there, right? I mean, I can admit it, like my behavior, you know, just in the corporate world, right? I I, I tend to, you know, everybody, I, I say everybody, but, you know, I think gets a little bit of ego and it gets in your, it, it gets, you, you got to cut it off. And I think that interesting with me is, I, you know, I started with a company that was franchise based out, right? And we, my owner of my franchise was the CEO or not CEO, the senior vice president of sales at corporate. So I, I, I watched us get acquired, go corporate. I watched us go from, I think we were like 250 million small office and mm -hmm. we scaled now at they're like four bill, four or $5 billion. Right. And I wow. watched the culture change. I watched every, I watched <laughs> changes happening. Right. But I saw the, I saw it firsthand, you know, for the first three years, smaller mm -hmm. feel, everybody had like a say. And then I just watched it as we got acquired. They tell you, you know, change isn't going to happen. It, we're just, this is for the better. And listen, I, from a business standpoint, it made sense why we got acquired and I get that, but it got so siloed to where it was like everybody, it, it just was, you, you had no say anymore. Right. And, and that's yeah. essentially why I left that my first career or my first job after five years because i said listen this they're just way too big i can't scale where i want to scale i got no voice but <laughs> i think egos ego plays a huge role into that and you know once you scale that high that's where it goes back to having right processes in place having the right leaders in your company exactly because once you get big you better hope those because it's a ripple effect. You know, it's like if you don't have the right processes more. So the right leaders in charge, once you scale, how are how are how are you going to build more leaders? Right. It goes. That's where it goes back to. It's yeah. like ripple effect. Bad leaders usually breed if they even get to, you know, bring on, you know, more leaders or scale other people's careers. Yeah. The same yeah. type of people. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think also it's, it's just touching a point here behavior and attitude for people for sure it's very important but you touch base point which is leaders in, inside the organization because if you have a great culture if you have a great people great attitude great behavior inside the organization but you don't have a great leaders that they have a vision and they know where the where are they want to go this is this is a challenge because imagine with me that you have a ferrari car okay and uh, you want to go somewhere but you don't have a gps 
you will be always you, you will drifted you know all the time right left and you will you'll end up nowhere that's why if you have the right attitude and the right people and lacking the leadership you, you will not be able to scale uh, to scale up your business you will not be able to go from 5 million to 50 millions because no people they don't know where they want yeah exactly it's that's like why. my that's that's such a good point about the roadmap though uh <laughs> yeah i mean i mean it's funny i just it just brings back a memory of mine uh a, one of my biggest mentors my first manager said it he goes mike if i was to tell you you know there's a million dollars hidden in a suitcase um outside you know in the in michigan right i hid it in michigan would you be able to find it i was like and i started answering questions and he was like mike you're not going to find a million dollars in a suitcase if i didn't tell if i just said hey it's hidden in michigan go find it he goes my goal is to give you a roadmap to where you want to go it's about it's gonna be a lot easier to find that million dollars um, so it's just it's all about roadmap and i do want to hit on something you said culture i think the biggest thing is people preach culture a lot culture mm -hmm. can be different in everybody's eyes right like for instance some people want to make a ton of money and that's all they care about right i think a good leader <laughs> a good and a good leader knows that they have to treat everybody different. And and when I say different, it's like you have to know, you have to know the wants and needs of your team. Yeah. What is what is what is Mike's wants and needs? What is Ashley's wants and needs? And that's how you build a scalable team inside an organization, right? Focus on your team and their wants and needs. Then you become that's when it becomes dangerous in a good way. Yeah. Michael, just one question came into my mind that I believe that everyone in the business has a personal interest, right? Everyone, yeah. because we are human, for sure. This is something that 100%. we know. But now how we can treat this if we have some personal interest? How can we overcome this personal interest and uh, just let everything like business interest in the first place, not our personal interest? Because I see, I see this inside the organization. What is your experience in that? So you're meaning like put aside my own personal, my own personal uh, interests and just focus like how do I, how do you just focus on the business so, objectives? Yeah, I'll tell you just if, if uh, I have some sometimes I'm because as we spoke about the silos, if I mm -hmm. have some specific targets inside my function, but this directly will, ha will have a conflict with the business interest or the business imperatives. So if I, in order to achieve this uh, KPI or goal or target for my function, I will screw the the business uh, imperatives or, or the business goals. How can I deal with this? How, so it's funny you said that. Uh, <laughs> another personal experience of mine is I was a pretty new leader. I got, I got moved from Michigan to Wisconsin. I was running a team. We ended up winning this like really large RFP, right? And it was like $30 million and great for my office, you think, right? And, you know, I had a baseline and I had to, you know, I had to go so much above percentage above my baseline of margin. So we brought this $30 million uh, account on. And for the first six months, it was a big name. So it was great for like our company in general, right? We just started going corporate, no more franchise model. So it was a huge name, right? So we we were so the first six months it was great we were profitable and then we already the the way the contract was is we were going to lose a ton of money but get it all 
in the last six months, right? And I mean a mm -hmm. ton, and it looks so bad. I mean, it put my office again. It's like egos in my head because I, I I said something. Believe me, I was like, this is bull. <laughs> you know, this is bull. It made my office go from one to zero. Last, mm -hmm. I'm a new leader. I all my all my people are hitting their mark, right? But now my office is last. I took that kind of bad, and then I remember I had a couple discussions, and I realized, listen either way i look at it right it's going to they're, they're, the company needs this company because it's a huge power name right it's a powerful name it's a yeah. brand it's a huge company we need it it does well for my company this is an ego thing i had to come to terms with that i said you're just mad because on paper you look you, you need you need that little number to make you feel good right when yeah. realistically you have a a newer rep that just brought on a 30 million dollar deal that's going to impact the, our company as a whole to 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 the next level which is awesome <laughs> you have five new reps that have hit their year-to-date goal in six months that's huge start looking at things like that versus your my my own personal ego that was you know hurt because i was i went from one to zero on paper because of that right and yeah. realized the little the little wins that i'm doing the the impact i'm having on my team's life from a positive standpoint and at the end of the day that was the right thing to do when it came into the 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 greater good of the company and i just had to does it hurt yeah because again i didn't win that president club for for the new manager but i got over it built a team and mm -hmm. again I'm human. It definitely hurt. I wasn't like, it wasn't like I was naturally like, like I am now. And I'm just like, Oh, that's great. Right? No, it was, I, I shook a couple branches up, but it's just having the self-awareness to, to take a step back and realize, okay, this is the pros of this. This is the cons. Which way are you going to go? Yeah. Because you asked yourself the right questions, uh, in that point, because some people, again, we spoke about the silos. That they think in silos i don't care about what you're talking about i don't care about what's happening in the business as long as uh, my targets or my kpis are achieved and i think that again a big role is played here by the leaders inside the corporation when it comes that there is always as we spoke before uh, michael which is conflict will be there all the time <laughs> conflict will be there conflict will be there but now what is the role of the leadership inside the organization to manage this kind of conflict and when it comes that uh, i i don't know what will be i don't care about what's happening in the business i believe that the, the leadership whoever in that level executives or the ceos they have to step in and resolve this conflict and as as you said that conflict will be there and most people inside the organization they prefer to have a, a spot, just a blind spot to not think about conflict and confront it, just rather that park it and try to deal it with day to day, day to day to day to day. And at the end of the day, they will find themselves in a closed corner and they will not achieve it. Rather, they, they achieve the business goals, neither even their, their uh, functional goals. That's why I think leadership Conflict's is playing good. very important. Yeah. <laughs> we, I, I mean, like me and you, to, yeah. I mean, this is, we, I mean, I think this is a, this might be the most important thing on that I talk about on here. Conflict. I think that it's the reason why I scaled my career. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. don't get me, don't get me wrong. I, I, it, it definitely, it definitely 
<laughs> definitely had a lot of tough conversations <laughs> that people did not like, but it was like, like, who's this person? You know, I didn't care who you were, if you were the CEO of the company or not. It's just the way my mindset, you put your pants on like I do. If I had an issue, I'm going to go about it. And I want to have this conversation. This is what I'm feeling, right? This is what I think is, is, do you want a yes person or, or, or a person that really wants to drive change? Right. And I think that, I think that goes for anything, right? I, I mean, we were talking off stage, but it was like, Conflict needs to be happening, right? But it, you, as a leader, you have to make sure that your team, your people know it's safe to have this conflict with you and other leaders. Because at the end of the day, people don't want to lose their job. People are afraid. Not everyone's going, going to be a Michael Nimi and don't like they don't care, right? That's that's you just got to realize that, right? They're afraid to come to the table and say, hey, I have a I don't agree with you, but I don't want to say that because uh, I'm afraid to lose my job, right? I think so. It's it goes back into the leader of the company, the leaders inside the company need to make their people feel safe. And it's not a ping pong table. It's not like oh, you know, oh, you make a ton of money, make people feel safe that they have a they have a voice, right? Not to say that you have to you're going to take every idea. You might not take any of their ideas, but you'll never shun someone for having some type of uh, idea that's going to press your own ideas, right? As a leader embrace that that's how you open communication people feel safe people want to talk people start collaborating things are better and that's just in general right you don't have to agree either agreeing having conflict and it's like you don't have to agree with someone to be able to have a conversation there's a lot of people i do not agree with at all but i opened my eyes to even though i don't agree with these people having the conversation feeling safe is a good thing for just yeah. humanity dude <laughs> yeah. I mean, sorry yeah. i get passionate about that but it's like more people need to put the emotion aside like i, I like and, and start thinking about things logically and having realizing like hey listen you have to make your people feel safe inside companies i don't care it's just the bottom line or you're never going to have a true you're never going to have a true a true i mean i want to say scalable company but a true you're never going to have people that really you're never going to have people you're going to have a bunch of yes people yeah uh, because I tell you, especially in conflict, and I do remember Chris Voss. If you know, if you know Chris Voss, he is, he has amazing book. I read it, which is Never Split the Difference. And yes. when it comes to managing uh, that the conflict, he said just try. Conflict will be there even when when you have something, and you need to negotiate rightly. And most people, when they come into negotiation just to listen, they cannot separate the problem from their emotions, and most people, when they got, you know, driven by the discussion, they got driven by their totally emotions. And they, if, if, if you just have a zoom out view and if you record that discussion, you will find that they are not focusing even the conflict. Everyone is trying to convince the other by his stupid idea with my respect. You got my word. This is my hey. idea because this is, this, is, <laughs> this is how we function. This is my idea. But hold it for a moment. Sometimes we are mistaken. Sometimes if just we listen for a moment, we will resolve this conflict. Conflict will be there, but what is the quality of the discussion that we have between each other? How can we take it to the next level? How can we remove any personal interest from the discussion? How can we focus? Lead with logic. Lead with logic, speak with emotion is exactly. what I say. Lead with logic, speak with emotion and... Listen, and this is, this is the power when you listen. The, the, the essence of that... I, I used to be like that, honestly. When I come, I still, no, it's no, still no, a bad I, thing for me. Yeah, <laughs> listening. I mean, yeah. it it is, it is because <laughs> again, we are human. But how you control yourself? This is the game. How you can be able to control yourself? Hold for a moment. 
listen just calm down and take this kind of conversation to just find a solution not just to argue because i see it i this is my this is the, the best way for the business and the other way this is the best way for, for the business but is it is it it or, or isn't is it? it or or no we, we don't I know i walk away from a lot of conversations <laughs> like it's funny is because like you, again it, it goes back to ego right ego is a huge thing it's like yeah and i still every day it's a learning experience for me right i i, I tend to because i am so like the the i want to challenge things right it's like it's funny <laughs> even on this show right now you just struck a chord with me and i'm just like how many times do i i even to this day i think that i'm I, i'm i look at things logically right i say emotion mm -hmm. makes emotions make you emotional logic makes you wealthy and I'm laughing in my head because it's like, how many times <laughs> even this year have I thought it was logical, but was it really just my own point of view? Because again, it, it, it it's uh, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. I'm speaking about it. Like, yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you, made me, you made me think about it in my own personal life. Please, thank uh, you. I, I have another question also in that. Let's jump into a little bit into the executive. So how can the executives or the CEOs, I would say, drive values for their organization, uh, whether it's for customer or internally. What do you think? How, how I mean, can they take it? That's, a, again, that's a big one. That's, but knowing your wants and needs, knowing your customers' wants and needs, and knowing your people's wants and needs, right? It's like, again, it goes back to, let's say, people, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody preaches about culture. Like, I'm so over that. Like, stop with the cult. Like, listen every 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 human being is different right like figure out what what's going to draw like the leader has to have some type of culture right he has to have some type of why that's how you start a business right and then it's like but knowing that you're when you start scaling everybody's got a different why every you know it, that's fine knowing that knowing your teams your leaders knowing everybody inside your company's wants and needs and tailoring those wants and needs to make sure that they're getting what they want but it's also still following the mission of what your, whatever your company is right whatever your value prop is right so tons of different wants and needs they're being fed but it's all they're all but it's still feed, how am i how am i gonna word this it's still feeding into the the main mm. core business uh objectives right that's mm. a that's huge and then customers it's like a lot of people i don't think a lot of a lot of ceos even really know what their customers wants and needs are right or you know that's a huge thing they treat every and knowing your wants and needs they treat every customer like the same and that's a bad business model you need to you need to know the wants and needs of every customer and you need to know your a customers b customers c customers and those wants and needs right and then you gotta like that's how you start building objectives around that so does that make sense make totally sense and uh, uh i just i uh, need to add something here also because uh i like what you said it's about the the customers when when you just get deviated from just driving values i speak about also coming back to the personal interest but here i would take it to the organizational interest or the company interest when the company interest is also above your partners in the supply chain or the your partners uh, like customers like suppliers it's all about you this is the the first pitfall for the organization so driving values i'll give you an example how, how company they're trying to drive uh, uh, savings in their margins regardless how they will take it from which which step and what would be the effect of these values this could be taking the, the, or compromising some values from their uh, suppliers 
which will affect their relationship with the suppliers. Uh, maybe it will be also from their customers. I need to reduce my inventory, let's say, by X amount, but this will hit my service level or the availability with my customers, and this will put me in another level. So just also, I'm, I'm just restressing on this, organizational interest should be the lowest level and just again you are you are serving your customers you are serving you are with your partners whether suppliers whether stakeholders whether shareholders inside the, the organization think by this way and based on that drive the values the values will be driven inside the organization i, I mean it's not that it sounds so funny because it's like not that difficult <laughs> like think about it it's like your shareholders stakeholders they're they don't get any value. They're not going to make any money. Like, let's face it. They're not going to make any money if you're not driving value to your customers' wants and needs, right? And yeah, it's 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 a huge problem, right? It's like you don't truly like. If I I start that with everything, it's like, what's your customer? Why do you do the things you do? Do you is that why does your customer want it that way? Because it's like, well, we need we need cheap shipping. We need we need we need. Okay, well, put your put your buyer hat on right so take yourself outside the company i say when you go online and you go buy a product right i know myself personally i want easy i want easy use right i, I don't want to have to be like specially like if it's a commodity i'll go somewhere else i want e i want to be able to go on click it buy it right yeah. and i'm the person that doesn't want cheap i want to have the option to buy i'll pay more to get my product I ne i'm needy right i'm needy i want my product here now a lot of people my my point of this is is the, cus the company that knows those wants and needs and knows that their customers want options and are willing to pay for those options mm. are the ones that is going to scale <laughs> again, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, forget what our objectives are. We wanna, we wanna focus on our core customers, right? And they want options. We're gonna make this switch. Now they're willing to pay for more expensive shipping, but mm. they want for the option of getting it there faster, boom, margins up, customers are happy. Yeah. What do you, what, what's to lose on that? Instead, you get focused on, well, no, 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 no. The customer's wants and needs are, you don't know, you have to know. And in order to know that is getting into the weeds with, again, yeah. getting into the weeds. And if you're a $5 million, $10 million company, I mean, my own company, my own franchise is $15 million. I still talk to my customers daily, right? And I not daily, that's, that's a little much, but Hourly. knowing the wants and needs. So it's like a lot of CEOs already removed themselves. They make it to 5 million, 10 million, and they think they made it. And and I say is never forget what got you there. And that comes from mm -hmm. your customers, right? So start asking them what their wants and needs are. Are they happy with those? What could you do better? Yeah. The rest will fall in place. Yeah. So what is the best way based on your experience inside the organizations and moving here, there, your great experience? What is the best way to uh, optimize or just improve the bottom line of the organization? Know your cost to serve. <laughs> seriously yeah i mean it's like yeah, give, give, give me more details yeah give me more details on that properly pricing your 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 product right i mean i'll, I'll use the example again it's like okay you get it you get these companies that get into walmart right mm -hmm. 500 stores they're about to launch right they okay cool how did you come to that uh, agreement and that price of product right did you taught did you properly allocate transportation cost into that pricing model right mm -hmm. well yeah we, we just tacked on 12 percent. oh no no please no right? Because like, now think about it, 500 stores, different. So each PO might be different. They might have uh, the mode might be different. They didn't even take into consideration the mode, the location. And now they just flat out gave a one price across the board to each location. So mm -hmm. again, it goes back to 
each location has different uh, size POs, different, mm. uh, obviously they're further, shorter, it all plays into effect. So that 12% you just literally allocated transportation cost in mm. without knowing your actual cost to serve like each location of that Walmart uh, de deal. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. screwed you. It really, yeah. I mean, that could make a break, the, the, the make, the make a break of that. That is the low hanging fruit when it comes to margin, I think is like, it goes back to, it's like, I don't think that like, if you, so for instance, pricing models are all different, right? They might have a, like, it might be too late to renegotiate your contract with whatever uh, customer you're shipping mm -hmm. into. Right. But the point of the, the, the cost to serve is knowing, you know, what customers are profitable, really profitable, what customers are average, and then what customers are low and negative, right? Could be mm -hmm. negative. And then focusing <laughs> yes. in on the low and negative margin customers and figuring out a strategy to increase those okay. customers, increase those margins, right? I'm not saying like, listen, not every customer is going to be profitable. And yes, there's give and take. You might have to have some customers like larger customers that are going to, you know, be low margin or even negative, but it has to mm -hmm. be made up somewhere somehow. Right. And mm -hmm. knowing that having the visibility into those key cost drivers is crucial because you might be, it, it, sometimes I look at it and I was like, you're giving this a customer D, D service and you're giving this D customer a service. Yeah. This needs to be flipped. And there's a yeah. lot of, there's a lot of margin to be made in that. Yeah. I like what you said, because it opens all something in my mind when I think it's when you speak about uh, the power of also the customer, um, when it comes to that point, uh, like something like Walmart, when you speak about 500 plus uh, stores, which is direct store delivery, it depends also on the distribution model that, that you're using. Right. I'm not just talking about Walmart, but maybe you have some customers also on the, the other way when you can negotiate with them into another level where you can speak with them that some projects, some easy projects, which is centralization, instead of just shipping to multiple points, you can work with them into centralization and they will be able to distribute for their stores uh, by themselves. And yes. it, it could be, you know, the savings that I will have into my transportation as an organization versus the rebates that I can give it to them when they have something. Let's say I have if I, I work with this customer and if I centralize the savings in my transportation, just because I will I'll be able to use uh, a truck size, a, high, a bigger truck size instead of this. And I will centralize or aggregate all the demand one time into one location. These yep. savings that I will have versus let's say it will be having uh, i will have saving into my margin like two percent i can could easily give like one percent 1.5 percent to my as a rebates for the customer if he achieved xyz yes. yeah and it's it's mutual benefits it's not only one way or two ways just it's mutual benefits between both this kind Bingo. of discussion it's 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 something that can add a lot huge values crm how can you speak with them yeah yeah and guess what? You need the CEO of the company to start having conversations exactly. like that. Bottom, <laughs> bottom line. Yeah. But uh, I'll give a couple other ones. If, if, you know, I say FOB, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of a lot of the a lot of emerging growth stage, you know, CPG companies, they you know they're going to UNFI, KHEAT, mm -hmm. and they don't have the resources, cost, budget, or even overhead to handle their transportation. So it makes sense, right? They'll have mm -hmm. to cut into their own margin. So yeah, UNFI says, hey, listen, we'll 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 move, we'll we'll handle your supply chain, we'll pick up and 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 whatnot for you, but we want we're we're 
we're allocating about 18% of uh, extra, right? It's going to cost 18% of the sale. Okay. Well, I'll go in and I'll say, you know, these companies realize they start scaling, but they, again, they still don't have the resources overhead. They don't know a 3PL could do exactly the same thing, but not charge them 18%. So what I'll do is I'll go in and say, Hey, let's take over this FOB because you can, let me mm -hmm. show you exactly what the cost of serve is on these FOB. Well, yeah. they're telling you 18%. It's actually 9%, right? So I can mm -hmm. put, you know, I'll take yeah. 5% yes. or whatever it may be, but now you can put more or handling your inbound transportation. That's a huge one. Having, yeah. having, being able yeah. to, you know, people think that they're like, oh, well, we hit a mark and we get free shipping. Listen, if you are very sophisticated as a company, you're not giving free shipping out. You're just smart and you're allocating <laughs> your price. You're allocating transportation into your pricing model. So it's time that you, you take over your inbound <laughs> or free yeah. shipping. Everybody offers free shipping, right? Believe it or not people when they i say how do you you know how do you justify you know buy a hundred dollars worth of product and it's free how did you come to that well we just a mm, hundred dollars sounded nice well that's not logical right from a business mm -hmm. standpoint then it's like a lot of people don't even take the i say allocate transportation costs in the pricing model think about your own self do you actually look I don't really look at the pro like I look at the shipping cost right too. It's like if mm -hmm. I look at something online, I'm like, oh, I mean, I'll pay the extra thing, but I'm still that number that number sticks out to me. The shipping cost. Mm -hmm. You can. What about having it across the board, right? Free shipping for everybody, but you're properly allocating your transportation cost into your pricing model. Yeah. So maybe the product's twenty dollars more, but that doesn't really, from a buyer standpoint, I'm not looking at that. And I see free shipping, bingo. Now you're still. Time incremental sales, in. incremental sales, incremental sales. Yeah, yeah. nobody but sees uh, shipping. They you have to build free shipping. Yeah, have to yeah. Build I, I mean, exactly. It, it's a process, but it's like you are gonna, especially in, in your in you know CPG world. A lot of these you know protein bars, chips and puffs, hmm. health food. It's all a commodity. That you got to think if you want to play with the big boys. You got to start thinking like that, right? Because hmm. they have the those big companies have the margin. They can lose that. They can lose that and yeah. not blink an eye. The emerging companies, they need to be more, they they got to play by their own rules. And these rules start with, you know, the, the things that I just mentioned, right? Play, yeah. play chess, not checkers. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, again, if you can see that the time is almost one hour. I didn't feel the time at all. <laughs> yeah, uh, I got, I got it going. My bad, man. Yeah. yeah, no, not at all. I'm saying that time is flying. I think that we have reached it to... Um, just to, to the end, um, just uh, I, I need to restress again. Thank you so much for the great values that uh, you have today, and thanks for and that really I'm honored to have you today in the show. And hopefully that we can have another session, maybe something Definitely. also related to Thank the you. transportation. How can we enhance it in, in, into the next level? Also, we need to thank our lovely audience today who joined us. And if we just uh, if you have any questions also to Michael, please don't hesitate to connect with Michael and ask him regardless regarding anything at any time. Thank you again, guys. And thank you, Michael, for, for just coming into the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, brother. Bye-bye. Talk to you. Thank you for listening to our Global S&OP Community Podcast. We hope that you have absorbed some values from this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to be notified every week with the new episode. You can visit our website ahmedkhaled.co or ahmedkhaled.co We believe that one word, one story or one conversation 
could transform your life. Stay tuned next week with a great thought leader in S&OP. Have a wonderful week ahead.